When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Taking our history into account, taking just sensationalizing certain things into account, just rolling it all up into a ball. We've come a long way, but there's a whole lot more work to do. Welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm your host, Jordan Harbinger. Today we're talking with Layla Ali, world champion boxer, entrepreneur, and daughter of Muhammad Ali. We'll talk about her journey from troubled childhood to entrepreneur to boxer and back again, growing up around fame, learning to fend for herself, getting in the ring, and what that can teach us about ourselves and how we interact with the world at large. I really enjoyed this chat. I think you'll enjoy listening to it as well. Enjoy this episode with Layla Ali. And by the way, if you're new to the show, we'd love to send you some top episodes and the AOC Toolbox. We discuss things like the science of attraction, negotiation techniques, social engineering, reading body language, having charismatic nonverbal communication, networking and influence strategies, mentorship, persuasion tactics, and everything else that we teach here at The Art of Charm. So check that out at theartofcharm.com slash toolbox or in our iPhone app at theartofcharm.com slash iPhone. Also at theartofcharm.com, you'll find the full show notes for this and all previous episodes of the show. All right, we're glad to have you with us here today at AOC. Enjoy this episode with Layla Ali. I'm a little bit self-conscious about, mm-hmm. oh, how did I just look in that? Right, right, right. <laughs> and I can imagine also right. as a female, right. it must be even worse because people are judgy with that. Worst of case, course. someone says, oh, Jordan, you need to hit the gym. As a woman, like if you just even make a funny face and they get the photo, you're like, oh, crap. Now that's on the Internet. Lucky for me, I'm used to fighting in a ring and they have all kinds of crazy looking photos, you know, and you're like yeah. getting hit in the face. Yeah. yeah. You like have a glove up against your face. Yeah. So I don't worry. I get in the ring with no makeup on. I used to. So good point. <laughs> So obviously when you box, you don't have makeup on. You know, I used to wear mascara into the ring because that's one of the things I just don't leave the house without. I just feel sleepy, like your eyes just don't really pop. So I would wear getting waterproof punched. mascara. Getting punched in the face doesn't keep you awake in the ring? Oh, I didn't get punched in the face that much. That's see? a I good point. punching, yeah. That's a good but point. But yeah, no, I'm just joking. You get punched every once in a while. I did anyway, but uh, no. You're the eighth of nine children. That's a lot of kids. Yeah, that is a lot of kids. My father had two children with my mother, my sister and I, my sister Hannah and I. So Your mom is really pretty. She is actually. Yeah. Thank you. She's yeah. beautiful. She um did some modeling. She wasn't a model. A lot of people thought that she was because she looked like she could be, but thank you. Yeah, the photo I saw of her was that Diana Ross hair era where it was like, it's big on cool. one side. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's great. It's a black and white photo that I saw. You probably oh, yeah. know the one. She wore hair to the side a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, wow, that's it's really next level. And your dad, of course, was a well-known boxer. You became a boxer. But why did the other kids in your family not box? 
Well, you'd have to ask them that question. But from my perspective, I think that, first of all, you have to have it in you to want to be a fighter. It's not something that you just go, oh, I think I'll just try boxing, you know, because you're going to get your ass beat if you get in there and you don't have it in you. Then also just the pressure of being a child of the greatest fighter of all time, right? But I think that I've always been a fighter outside of boxing. I've always Uh, been one. Yeah. So it was no surprise to anyone in my family that I became a professional boxer because I used to get in trouble and get in fights in school. So I've always been a fighter. I still am now, even though I'm not fighting, but I just have it in me to just fight for what I want physically, verbally, you know, all of that. (laughs) Nice. When you started to box, people went, okay, good. Now it's legal or whatever, right? Now all this punching is is okay. (laughs) Well, I actually... When I saw women's boxing on television for the first time, that's when I wanted to do it myself. I didn't want to box professionally just because my dad was Muhammad Ali. I never even thought about it. I didn't know that it was available for me to do. I just thought, okay, that's dad. That's for him to do or men to do. When I saw women's boxing, I remember being amazed and surprised. Like, women fight? I didn't even know this. How did I not know this, right? It was uh, Christy Martin at the time was a big name before I came into boxing, and she was fighting on a Mike Tyson undercard. So a lot of people saw women's boxing for the first time because Don King was the promoter. He put her on, and that's it. When you get that opportunity, it was a brawl. I mean, it was bloody. It was, like, crazy. And I was like, I want to do that. Why, though? (laughs) You know, why? it's in my blood. You have to remember. I mean, it's in my DNA. So, because it is crazy. I mean, to say you want to fight for a living because people are like, why would you want to just get hit for a living? But there is a sweet science to it. But at that moment, it wasn't the sweet science I was attracted to, which is the fact that I can fight and not get in trouble. Like, you know, that's just right up my alley because I felt like I would be good at it, you know, and I could do it. So when I look at people getting punched by professional boxers, especially, I think, dang, that's got to hurt. And I realize and I've seen interviews with you and I saw part of your documentary where you, I think, flat out said people who aren't fighters don't get it. Because to them, it looks like, oh, man, mm-hmm. ow, ow. And you're thinking, yeah, get in there, get him, or something mm-hmm, like right. that. I don't know. There's a different level that you're thinking. Well, well, the thing is, is that you are, for one, you're not feeling the punches like you would imagine because your adrenaline's going. Oh, that's good. And it's know. kind of like, you know, someone's just kind of tapping you, tap, tap, tap. And then every once in a while, that bam, it's that hard one. Like, oh, okay, I felt that. You know, so it, it also depends on the fighter. You would think anyone punching you would hurt, right? Yeah, sure. But. As fighters, it's like, oh, that person can punch, that person can't. So even though they're hitting you, you don't feel it, it doesn't hurt. It's just kind of like someone tapping you on the shoulder. And then the punchers you feel, you might be able to feel those shots or just get hit with a good shot. So it's just like with football. I watch football and I'm like, why are you guys jumping in the air, landing on the ground, on their shoulder? How are they not hurt? I don't understand. But as football players, they don't feel all of that, you know, and of course it is a wear and tear. There is a wear and tear on your body. They're getting shot up. You know, they're getting all this done after the game to go out there and do it again. But in the moment, they're not feeling it because their adrenaline's going. Right. So. That's what your husband does, right? He's a football player. He's or retired. Yeah, yeah. Retired mm-hmm. football player. Does he still have a bunch of battle scars where you're he, like, it's he, raining today. <laughs> My knees hurt. Right. He actually came out really well. He only had one major injury. He broke his collarbone, but he has bad shins. So sometimes, yeah, he'll have problems with his shins. But other than that, he didn't really get broke up. He was That's, a wide receiver and he ran fast and well. Yeah, super fortunate. Yeah, <laughs> right. he ran all the way to the end. Yes, Nobody exactly. tackles you when you get there. Yeah. He played for 13 years, so he, he did really well. Most That's, guys' careers, I think the average is four years in the NFL. So. How long was your boxing career? About nine years. And I took a year off because okay. I had shoulder surgery in the very beginning, which was devastating to me in the beginning to have to take a whole year off. Because when I looked at it online, I thought, there's not that many fights individually in there. Mm-hmm. So I thought, is this two years, three years, 10 years? You right. can't really tell. 24 fights, yeah. no amateur career. 
You might look at somebody who fought the same amount of time and they might have less fights than that. They might only have 16 fights, you know, and then you look at someone like Christy Martin who fought a lot longer than me. She had 50 fights, you know, so it would just depend. For me, I would fight, especially in the beginning, maybe once or twice a year. Is that normal? Because it just seems like that's a lot of training for one night. You better hope you're on that night. It is. For me, in the beginning, I don't even remember my own record of when I fought and I'm bad with numbers. But for me, in the beginning, I fought a little bit more often, but I was doing a lot of learning. I did a lot of my learning during my career, you know, just because I didn't have an amateur background. So we really took it slow in the beginning. And then with my weight class being at 168, there just weren't that many girls. You know, at that weight class, maybe I was at 140, 135, so many more options. At some point, you just, you reach a, a level where, yeah, maybe there's who not that many. Fight? Who are you going to fight? Yeah, and then you look at their record and you think of the business side. You want someone who's going to give you a good fight. You want somebody who, I don't care if they have a good record. You know, I look at who they fought. You know, I look at their oh, size, yeah. their height. You look at all of that, you know, and you're just like, okay, that's the only thing you can do. Because a lot of these girls, you didn't really have video on or anything. I didn't know what I was going to get in there with. And then everybody would fight me harder than they fought the last person. So I remember seeing tape on certain girls and then not expecting much. And they get in there and they're a whole different fighter. Oh, they think this is their moment, you know, and right. they're at their best. They got the best trainer, the best nutrition. And they're like, this is my time to make it big. That's what they think. Or so, maybe I got to get one good punch in there before I get knocked out. <laughs> no. you know, a lot of people didn't give me my respect as a boxer because they would say, think, oh, she's just a pretty girl. She can't fight. It's all right. a lot of hype. So that was always fun to see that first shot where they're like, oh, you know, that surprise in the did, ring. When they did get... they not watch the video at all? Well, you know, it's just like when your mind is telling you one thing, sometimes you can, your eyes can be fooled. So it's sure. like, I don't look like I'm punching that hard. A lot of the times you see someone go down, but then they think, oh, she just couldn't take a punch. People come sure. up with all kinds of excuses for themselves. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine they're just saying, well, the only reason she even got to this far is because her dad called some people. Exactly. And he made some calls. And so now you're, he wants one daughter that boxes so that and you're the one. he didn't want me to box. And he had nothing to do with my boxing career. And you cannot become a world champion and have multiple titles without fighting other champions to get them. So it'd be different if I just had 24 and 0, 21 knockouts, no titles. Right, But sure. when you start getting the boxing, the WBC, which is the most respected boxing organization. I mean, my dad's a WBC champion, you know, Mike Tyson, Sugar Ray Leonard, all those people, Evander Holyfield, Lennox Lewis, all the top fighters, they're not just going to give me a title. You know what I mean? So I had to fight for that title, defend that title. Now, yes, I will say that in my weight class, there was the least amount of talent. So I would say people can say, oh, well, the girls that you fought weren't that much. And I'm like, you're right. There were a lot of them that weren't that much, but that doesn't mean that I'm not a great fighter. I mean, I've sparred with world champion men. Sure. You know, so I know what I could do, but that was one of the reasons I retired. I got tired of being in these situations where I just didn't feel like the only way I can describe it is a pro football team having to play a high school team. So even though you're going to beat them, you don't really feel that good about it. Anymore. Sure. Right. So it's how much of that can I do where I, I'm going to keep training at an elite level? You know, so I can say, though, there were certain girls that in the beginning, I, like Valerie Mafood, I remember one, Susie Taylor, they were champions in the beginning. I was like, man, I want to fight those girls, but I have to wait until... I have enough experience. And I finally got in there with them. It was easy. I took their title. So at one time, they were the top echelon. They made it look like they weren't right. anything. You, you bumped them down an entire right, right. level. In looking at the highlight reels and things like that, it is a whole level that they maybe didn't think existed. It right. was like, these are the best female boxers. And then you got in there and it was like, oh, yeah. okay, well, we got to find somebody who can fight on her level. And one of the reasons you retired is because there wasn't anybody. Right, in my weight class. So I mm. never like to make it sound like there was, I mean, there's so much talent. And I never go around saying, I'm the best ever, mm. I'm the best. I don't need to anyone you to leave, tell me leave, I'm the best. You leave that to the, your old man. Eh? Well, yeah, <laughs> he was. And there's people who, you know, who argue that. 
to me, it's never been about being the best ever. It's just about being the best that I could be, being the best in my weight class. Mm. But there are so many other talented fighters in other weight classes. Do I think I could beat them pound for pound? Yes. But at the same time, I have to put that out there because I never want to sit up and sound like I'm just saying I'm the best ever to walk this earth and there was just no talent for me. But I'm a realistic person. There there's certain fighters that would sit here right now and act like they were just that great and not mm-hmm. mention the talent level. Right. Being the perfectionist that I am, you know, Floyd Mayweather is. Sure. I trained with Roger Mayweather, who trained him. I trained with Floyd Mayweather Sr., who trained him. I trained with Buddy McGirt, who trained world champs. Those are my trainers. So it's not like I'm just out here, just Muhammad Ali's daughter. I had the best trainers. I had the best nutrition. And I got the Ali blood in me. So anyone who would just think, oh, she's just a pretty face, they're not that smart of a person to Mm -hmm. think. This is Muhammad Ali's daughter. If I was a guy... They would take it a whole lot more serious. It's not a singing career where you no. can auto-tune it and it's no. like, oh, you know, she's Frank Sinatra's granddaughter. You're getting hit by other people. Yes. You can't fake that. No. There's and, no CG. Right. There's a million other things that I could do. Hence what I'm doing now. I mean, outside of boxing, this is what I, I didn't make a lot of money boxing. I didn't get a lot of exposure boxing. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's I didn't. Undercard only for that no, stuff. No, I was the main event, but nobody was watching it on the level of like, you know, I fought Jackie Frazier, Joe sure. Frazier's daughter. I don't remember how many views we got, but it wasn't like that big of a deal as it would have been if we say we were men, right. but the tension that would have been on it. And it wasn't like we're in a time where you have the Ronda Rousey now and you got the UFC behind her and they've pumped her up to a certain level. It wasn't going on back then. I mean, I was offered movies just like Ronda Rousey. I turned them down because I was like, no, I want to be a serious. I want to be a fighter. I want to be taken serious. If I would have known if I was older, smarter, I would have taken some of those opportunities possibly, <laughs> but it was just something I love to do. And now I got it out of my system. I'm back onto my path like yeah. I was before I started boxing, a business. Ronda had some words before she had the recent sort of not so successful few fights. And I thought that was interesting because I thought, and maybe this is just my non-fighter mindset, but I feel like when you get to the top of the fighting game, shouldn't you be super respectful of everybody? Wouldn't that seem more powerful or not really? I just don't get that. It dynamic. depends. I mean, because I mean, when I was boxing, I used to say all kinds of stuff. It, I heard some of yeah. it. I got some of that. Yeah. And I didn't have a problem with it. That's just who I was. I mean, what I did, I did for me. So it affected the way that I felt you know, a lot of times. So I didn't really care what anyone had to say. And anything I said, I was being honest. Were there some things that I've said before that I could change? Yeah. I remember I went to China once. It was only my fourth fight and I was younger then. And I fighting this girl and I saw her and she was very overweight, like what I would consider to be just fat or chubby. And she was talking real hard. And I was like, do you really think I would let a fat girl beat me? That's what I said to the public. (laughs) But what I meant by that, I could have changed the wording But what I meant by that is I take my sport so seriously. I put in the work that I need to take. I lost 30 pounds. You know what I mean? I trained to get here. You know, these muscles didn't just show up overnight. I'm weight training. I'm training. I'm putting work. Because to me, I look at you as an athlete. You're not even doing your job. Right. Because you cannot be doing your job and looking like that. So for me, because it naturally would happen. You see what I'm saying? So I'm not going to take you seriously if you don't have your body in the top you know, shape. I see what you're but saying. But I didn't, yeah. I didn't, it didn't come out that way. Right. I'm, but I was so young. So at the time you might say that to your friend, like, sure. I'm let that fat chick be me because all that comes with that. So like I said, stuff like that, I would have changed. I don't know what you saw, but a lot of it, I would say now because this is who I am and all is fair in war. So no, to answer your question about Ronda Rousey, she is supposed to have thought that she um, could beat everybody. And like she said before, I think I could beat Floyd Mayweather. I think I could beat Layla Ali. You know, I would need some training, but I think I could beat them. And at the time I was like, hmm, yeah. you know, I don't care how much training you did, but in her mind, but she was saying to herself about comments that I made, she was saying, well, she's supposed to feel that way. She was saying that about me because uh-huh. you are, you're supposed to feel like you're the best, but you also need to have, be realistic. And I would never 
say I could beat Floyd Mayweather, you know, no matter how much training I had. He's a man. He's stronger. And he's on a whole different skill level. So sure. you need to respect other people's sports is what you need to do, especially when you're talking about people much bigger than you. Sure. Do you think that when you're talking about fighting in general, you have to have a mindset where you honestly believe you can beat everybody in your path? Otherwise, you're at a disadvantage. Yeah, you do. But that's not going to work for everybody. So sure. I think it has to be more than just that. But first of all, with anything you do, you have to believe but you have to also take into consideration who you're facing. So if you and I are fighting one another and we're both champions, I mean, there's those fights where you got two fighters, Oscar De La Hoya and Sugar Shane Mosley, when they fought, they both were undefeated. They both knew each other. They fought in the amateurs. They didn't fight purposely for many years because they want to have that mega fight. That's the right. business side of it. You know what all of his strengths are. You know what yours are, but you really, that's when it really comes down to strategy because you both really are really great fighters. It's just who's going to be the better fighter that night and who's not going to make mistakes. So yeah, you got to go in there feeling like you can beat him. If Shane was like, oh, I don't know if I can really beat Oscar, <laughs> you're not going to win. So that can make you lose a fight in itself, but it can't in itself help you win a fight. You understand? What yeah, I'm I do. That actually makes a lot of sense. It won't substitute skill. It no. won't substitute training. It won't substitute nutrition and endurance. But if you don't have it, you can the, lose, period. You can have all those other things and still lose. Because other guy could growl at you or the other gal could growl right. at you and you can go, crap, I knew I was going to lose this fight. Weak-minded. And then she's got that extra little bit of swag and, right, to go well, after just, it. And I believe in the power of thought and the energy that you put out there. So it's just like, there's been a lot of fights where I could see in the moment when somebody lost is that's it because they've kind really, of, yeah, it's just, you know, I could see when they're about to give up. So I used to do this thing I used to call the beat down, you know, where mm -hmm. it's like, I'm not necessarily a lot of technical knockouts. I could see you're tired. So I'm going to throw like a gang of punches all at once. And to the point where you're not going to be able to stop them and the ref's going to yeah. jump in, but I can see in their eyes that moment. So then when they feel that barrage, it's like they kind of give this body language of I'm defeated and the ref yeah. will stop it. So it's all kind of like little things. <laughs> I understand that. I think it makes perfect sense, right? You're sensing at the moment in the fight that they've made a decision in their mind that says, if she does that one more time, I'm giving up. This, exactly. is, this is not going to work for Something me. Something like that. And you kind of see that and you go, ah, the beatdown is coming and you're going to quit. And you get that little extra burst of energy that might cost you if you just did that right up front and then they're done. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's hard for me to articulate know, because I've never been in there, yeah. but I feel like I know what you're saying. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. 
Go to kajabi.com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash charm. Just go to indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Your nickname was She Be Stingin'. Mm -hmm. Who gives those nicknames to people? Yeah, I I wondered if you liked it or hated it. I hated it. I had a cut man named Cassius, a real eccentric guy, but um, he used to just start saying, she be stinging, she be stinging. I'm like, no, I don't want a nickname. Because from the very beginning, I was like, I don't want a nickname. Because uh, it's corny to me. They are corny, yeah. So, you know, my, my father being float like a butterfly, sting, sting like, like a bee, bee yeah. she as in a girl, sure. and then B as in B-E-E. Sure. And, or just she, B as in B-E, stinging, right. like bam, because I punch hard and I, it stings. So he just came up with that. And, I, and it just, people just kept on saying yeah. it, it just kind of stuck. I was like, ah, oh. but yeah, no, I've never referred to myself in that way. Yeah. It seems like it could go either way. It is clever, but do you, I don't do like you it. want no, that? I don't like it, but I, it's funny because that's the name of my corporation now. She'd be stinging. Right. So because it just worked for that. Sure. But as far as my name, no, I didn't like that. Why the late start with boxing? You owned a nail salon before you became a boxer. And I, I'm just imagining you sitting there like, Hmm, I don't know what I want to do. I want to do something <laughs> with my hands. Maybe I'll do nails. Nah, I'd rather punch people in the face. I know people ask me that all the time. So the connection between the two is being in control. Okay. So for me, you know, I grew up and I said, I want to move out the house when I'm 18 and I want to be independent. I want to make my own money. I decided that at a very early age. I didn't want to just be Muhammad Ali's daughter, have fake friends and, you know, have daddy taking care of me. So I started going to school to learn how to do nails because I strategize. I'm still that way now. I was like, what can I do where I can go to school? I wasn't going to go to SC. I was going to Santa Monica College because I didn't do good in high school and I Mm -hmm. had to go to City College first and I was going to transfer to SC. So, but I also want to live on my own. It's a high order for myself here, which I didn't realize being so young. When I'm having this conversation with myself, I was like 14, 14 or 15. 
So I said, I don't want to do hair because that's so many hours of so many hairstyles out there, but there wasn't as many nails, a lot of Asian nail places. Yeah, Vietnamese yeah. nail places. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start a beautiful business and it's going to be a pampering business and all that. I'm going to charge X amount of right. money. So I went to school, learned how to do nails, got my license. Then I started working in different nail salons, saving up money, getting experience because you're not good when you first come out. You right. mess up a lot. Sure. Of, you know, you're slow. You know, you got to figure out a lot. So once I got to a point where I started building a clientele and I remember what gave me my boost is there was a woman who worked near me and her name was Lydia. She lived very far, but she worked in Marina Del Rey and she had a full clientele. She was having a baby and she was like, Layla, can you take over my clientele for me? Oh, wow. And I was like, sure, you know, because I didn't have that many clients at the time. And I took over her clients and she came back. A lot of her clients wanted to stay with me, which oh, I felt man. bad about, but I yeah. said, you got to talk to her about it. So I took some of her clients, but what her clientele did was she had her clients booked every hour, like back to back to back to back. So it made me have to get faster, you know, as far as experience. I got better. I had that pressure on me and I did really well under pressure. And that's how it really gave my business a boost because I became better. Sure. So long story short, I ended up subleasing a salon from a hairstylist where I had a whole separate entrance. It was called Layla's Nail Studio. I had a full clientele and I was going to school full time, making my own money. Jeez. Exactly. So not managing my money well, but I was making my okay. money well. <laughs> I was like, can I pay my rent a week late? I, it was being in control of my own business. And I loved doing nails. I mean, I used to pass out flyers and all of that. None of my clients knew I was even Muhammad Ali's daughter. I'm not sure that's a selling point for a nail salon. No, anyway. it, it, did, it wasn't. But it was just like, what's the point? You yeah. Because then it's like, it's a whole different conversation at that point. You're very close to your clients. You know all their business. They want to talk to you. So being very young, you're learning a lot about people right? Sure. at that time. So anyway, that's when I saw women's boxing on television for the first time. And I had this plan. I was going to transfer to SC. I was going to, you know, open nail salons all over the country. And I was like, wow, you know, how am I going to tell my family? What are people going to think? I had all the fear and limitation and changing my career plans was just crazy. So the seed was planted, but it was in my heart to do. So finally, it was funny. I had a client who was like, well, I'm taking a boxing class downtown and he's a great coach. And I was like, really? So I went down there. And of course, the guy's like this street guy. Sure. And he was like, yeah, I'll train you. I was saying that I just was doing it for fitness. It was a secret. I didn't want people to know I was actually thinking about becoming a professional boxer. So he started training me. I started going after school, after work, every night, eight o'clock at night, lost 30 pounds. And I was like, I want to do this, you know? And then it kind of started getting around, met my ex-husband. He was a fighter, a world champion. And then he saw how serious I was. And he was like, you're with the wrong trainer. Like, first of all, if you're going to be serious about this, you got to close your nail salon. And I was like, not the nail salon. Yeah, no, I just Like, I that can't up. do that. Not just, I mean, at that point, I had been in business for a couple of years. I was also working out in Malibu. Yeah. But you, you know, got over the hump of like yeah, starting Yeah, it was a lot. I was my baby. Yeah. So then I tried to have someone else take it over. That didn't work because they don't respect your business the same way. It starts going down. And I end up having to close the doors. Sure. So, you know, I was so serious about boxing. I said, fine, boxing full time it is. And that's when things got taken to another level. I got a new trainer. Then I had fought Jackie Frazier, beat her. Then I had to get shoulder surgery, took a year off, moved to Vegas, started training with Roger Mayweather. And that's when it really started to be full time boxing. Why not just ask your dad, hey, I'm thinking about becoming a boxer. Can you show me who to talk to and how to start? Because he doesn't know. So he didn't know. First yeah, of all, that's just not the way Layla does things. Okay. okay? So yeah. Layla doesn't go say, show me this, show me that. So I know that you think, why don't you go to someone who knows more than you? But I know my father didn't know more than me because he's not involved in boxing. So just because you were a boxer doesn't mean you know who the top trainers oh, are. Oh, I didn't know that. I no. figured he would have no, just No, 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 he didn't. And he wasn't connected to boxing. My dad was doing humanitarian work. Yeah, you know, by and, that and, point. Yeah. yeah, not doing any boxing. So for me, it's something I had to figure out on my own. And again, remember, it was a secret. I didn't want to tell anybody. 
that I was thinking about boxing. Sure. So just used to always doing things on my own. So that's just how it is. Gotcha. So super independent. Mm -hmm. I would imagine it's hard to be a world famous athlete and a celebrity and a parent at the same time. <laughs> it's funny. I don't think of myself as a celebrity. And I always tell people that there's, there's a differentiation between celebrities and athletes, right? Just an actor and a singer and an athlete. Sure. Because we're just real people, meaning all the time. We're not playing a character. Even when you're a singer, like Beyonce is a different Beyonce on stage than she is at home. I would right? hope so. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, I'm always the same anytime you see me. So it's just different to try to balance everything that I'm doing because being Muhammad Ali's daughter, especially now that my father's passed, you know, there's a little bit of a burden there. Mm -hmm. You know, like I get emails every week now just from kids doing, you know, reports on school. Can you really? do a report on your father? Can I interview you? Can I, and it's like, oh, I can't do that. Yeah. I can't do 10 interviews a week with these kids. And plus go online, you know, it's yeah, like, go on YouTube. And then was... people are honoring my dad and giving awards and they want you to show up and you don't want to be mean. It's like, no, it's not that you don't care, but you can't be burdened with that now. Well, you got to live your own life. Exactly. Yeah. I appreciate it. They loved him when he was alive. They love him when he passed. So but you have to be careful about how you handle those situations. United Nations wants me to come for something. I can't just, oh, wow. I mean, whatever it is, it's just, you just have to figure that out. So there's that portion and there's just me and my life and my business. And then being a mom's two separate things and a wife, because I was just talking to my friend about this today. People ask me all the time, because if you were a woman doing an interview right now, yeah. you might be asking me, how do you balance it all? How do you figure it out? I have that in here. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for the segue. <laughs> That's just because you know it's a good question. That's, That's all. Right. But That's they right. want to know, like I can see in their eyes, they want to know for themselves. Mm -hmm. Because there's nothing like a mom where you're like, okay, aside from being a dad, everyone knows women multitask and we try to do too much. And a lot of times we don't think about ourselves and take care of ourselves. That's what my wife is like. And we don't even have kids yet. See, they asked me that question and I'm like, I don't want to sit here and act like I haven't figured it out. Of course, uh, there's things that I've figured out that work better, but you can't be, you know, balanced across all areas. Like if everything's flowing for work and, and um, with my kids and my husband's like, well, babe, you know, what yeah. about us? Where we're just parents at? now. Like, we're going to hang out. We're going to have mm -hmm. sex. It's like, I'm tired. I'm like, I'm Ever. tired. God damn yeah. it. Like, <laughs> I have my assistant put it on the calendar. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like we'll we got your calendar this. And it's like, well, I want it to be spontaneous. I'm like, you look, you better take what you can get because yeah. I'm tired as hell. Okay. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I cannot be your superwoman. And then I got those moments where I'm just like, like, I'm not just Superwoman. You remember that song? You know that Superwoman song? It, no. Is that Tina Turner? Or Karen White. Like that? Karen White. The answer is no. <laughs> I know. I know you song. didn't know, but that go look it up. Karen White. I'm not just Superwoman. And all the women will be playing that. Trust me. So how did those same concerns affect your relationship with your dad? I mean, it seems like he must have also been like going to do this, going to do that all the time. And nine kids. There's a lot of... And I'm the youngest. There's a lot of tension being shared around Yeah. House. Well, I would say that... I grew up a certain way and that's just what it was. So my dad was not present a lot of the time. When we lived with my dad before he got a divorce, there was always people around. Like I look now as a parent and go, God, like that's crazy how I grew up. Like, cause my kids, like your home is your private space, sure, right? Yeah, yeah. My house wasn't, it was like a public place. Like There's people stopping by all the time. All the time, literally. Wow. You would think it was a business just coming through, coming in, coming out. And he loved it. I mean, he loved people. He loved entertaining. But as a child, I never felt like, oh, I'm home. First of all, we had a mansion. It was a 13,000 square foot house, three stories. Jeez. You know, you got staff and things. And it's just like, you're just running around. 
but it wasn't like home. I don't have those feelings. I'm not complaining because there's some kids that don't even have a roof over their head. Sure, so I definitely sure. wouldn't complain about that, but that's just what it is. And then he wasn't uh, around for the ups and the downs and, you know, the graduation. And it's like every time you kind of talk, it was like an update kind of, oh, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. You know, he has all these other kids. Right. But that's just, you cannot be fighting the world and be who he was to the world and be home for dinner and be there, you know, as a dad. Sure. So we did have to sacrifice. Now, do we have a relationship with him? Yes. But it was the one that we knew. So and he was always there. So if I need to call him if I need anything or he ended up moving out of town, then I saw him even less. But I never felt like, oh my God, where's my dad? But I can definitely say through my hard times growing up, because I got in trouble growing up. Yeah. yeah. And um, he wasn't there for that. And I didn't want to make him there for that. You sure. know, I always felt like I had a dysfunctional family growing up with my mother. Once my parents got divorced, so I took on this. I, I got to do it all for myself. All for Nobody's myself. here for me. It's not like I tried to ask and he shut me out. He didn't even know a lot of things that were going on because he started getting Parkinson's and was mm. always like, we don't want to make daddy worry. Sure. You know, so, but at the same time, like I said, I'm not complaining, but that's my truth. That's my story. Any house that big, even if there's 10 people in it or 11 or 12 or whatever people in it, it's not cozy, right? You got to have that cozy home safe feeling. Exactly. I mean, I, I love that my kids have it. Me and my husband both say, God, I want to be nice and grow up like this. Like we come home, they know mom cooks dinner. We eat at six. You know, then we do homework at seven, then it's bath time at eight and it's go to bed. Like we have a super normal family. Yeah, we have. <laughs> that is every sitcom family ever. That's what it is, though. Yeah. And it came from my husband because me and him have gone back and forth. He's like, you can't just let them. I'm like, well, you need to bring in the structure because I didn't have structure. Right. So I'm going to be like, oh, it's 815. It's OK. Yeah. You know, he's like, no. Sure, you want to go run around with your friends? Yeah. This leave is, the house? Yeah. No. The, well, they're only five and eight. They're yeah. not doing that yet. But you know what I mean? I'm just like, I'm not that on point, but my husband is because that's how he grew up. Sure. That's good, though. It's good that you have a partner who's going to go, wait, no, that's not normal. We're right. not doing what mommy said. That's yeah. weird. <laughs> right. That's weird. You're staying home. You're doing it this way. <laughs> what was your father's reaction to you wanting to box? I mean, was he like, all right, finally one wants to box? Or was he like, ah, here's the thing? He didn't like it. No? No. I can imagine what his reaction was when I wasn't there and he heard, but they finally got around him that Layla's decided to box. So when he came in town and we had a meeting at his hotel, which we do, and he says, you know, I hear you're boxing. I'm like, yeah, I am. No, let me just back up. I've always been the hard rock. You know, we've always bumped heads, my father and oh, really? I. Oh, yeah. Like big time. And people assume I'm daddy's girl. Yeah, I kind of assume that no, too. No, 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 not at all. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm a daddy's girl. He loves me. I'm that one that's just like has given him the challenge because I'm just like him. Yeah. So like from a very young age, I was like, dad, I don't want to be Muslim. What? Oh, With everything he's been through, you know. After he did the whole highly oh, visible. All of that. He put his whole career on the line for his, and then your baby girl comes to you saying she doesn't want to be Muslim. And he's just like, first of all, how do you, you don't even, not even old enough to know what you want. How old are you when you said that? Probably like seven. Oh man. I and thought I, you were going to say no, like no, no, 25. No, seven. And I'm like, <laughs> I know enough to know that I don't want to do it. Yeah. I don't want it. Wow. Boom. Yeah. Wow. So most people don't, first of all, don't want to stand up to my father. Sure. But for me to say that to him at a young age and just like, no, this is what it is. And then just growing up, you know, I was the one that was always very independent. I moved out the house. I didn't mention to you, I moved in with a boyfriend. Oh man. He must've been thrilled. Yeah. So he was just like, you know, you're living in sin. I'm like, wait a minute. How many kids do you have? How many marriages do you have? <laughs> yeah. Wait, are you judging me? Like we would have those comments and then he'd be, you're right, you're right, you're right. I would always kind of break him down. <laughs> so for me, he knew he wasn't going to be able to tell me don't box, but he did try to talk me out of it indirectly. Yeah. And he said, you know, well, what are you going to do if you get knocked down? You no, know, the whole world's going to be watching. I'm like, if I get knocked down, I'm going to get back up just like you did. Well, what if you get knocked out? I'm like, well, I don't think that's going to happen, but if it does, I'm going to ask for a rematch. So we went all through all these scenarios and he never said don't do it, but I knew he didn't want me to do it. 
you guys were sparring before you even put the gloves on. Oh, yeah. That's but I mean, so- I already knew. I mean, we've had a couple of these conversations over the years, like the living with the boyfriend conversation. When he, <laughs> That was an interesting one. But I was honest with him. But I'm, this is what I'm doing and nothing you can do about it. So he, he supported me, though. He came to a lot of my fights. He couldn't beat all of them, but he was it more than half of them. And I could always see that glare in his eyes of him being proud. It was nice because I felt like sometimes I was fighting for both of us. Sure. I felt like he was trapped in his body with Parkinson's right. and just to mm-hmm. come into that arena and having everyone chanting, Ali, Ali. And he, you just see him light up. And then again, when I came into the ring and then just to see me in that ring and him just remembering himself. And even though I would never compare myself to my father on a skill level, but our boxing styles were similar, the way I'm shaped, my body shape, mm-hmm. all of that is very similar to my dad's. So just seeing all of that had to be a super crazy experience for him. I would imagine, I assume you've seen this video where they put you're in the ring mm-hmm. and they put him in the ring mm-hmm. and you guys are sparring. Adidas commercial. I mean, it's, oh, it's a commercial. Yeah, it's oh, a commercial. I thought some clever YouTuber. No, 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 no. <laughs> I thought like, wow, whoever That was a whole campaign. A Impossible is nothing. Yeah. Yeah. That was real cool because yeah. you do look very similar in those yeah. videos mm-hmm. where he's dodging your punches with his hands down. And I thought, man, that's brilliant. Yeah. What they did is they took, I, I forget who he was fighting, but I had to go and do exactly what the fighter he was in the ring with was doing. And then oh. kind of, they put it together that way. So so cool. That is cool. I thought they just found some. I don't know no, how any no, of that no, stuff no. works. There's a whole lot of work and money went in yeah, there, man. <laughs> I bet, I bet, I bet. And you later fought the woman who inspired you to box, Christy yeah. Martin. Mm-hmm. How did that feel? It must have been kind of like, ah, oh, cool, I'm going to fight Christy Martin. And also like, I better beat Christy Martin. Yeah, no, well. it was neither of those, actually. No? No. That's funny. You're not a fighter. No, I'm just... <laughs> you can tell. Yeah. Was it, I mean, that's no, not your first clue that, that I'm not a fighter. But that was a smart observation, but no, because you don't know how I think. So first of all, Christy was a lot smaller than me. So physically, we didn't need to be in the ring together. Oh, really? I was not interested in fighting Christy. So she fought at like different weights throughout her career, but about 135, 140. I fought at 165 to 175. Oh, man. So physically, I'm a lot bigger than her. Now, some people, people who don't know any better, just look at height. That's what I do. Yeah. I thought you were about the same height. She was tall. No, she's short. How tall are you? She's probably about 5'5", and I'm 5'11". You think like, okay, take Mike Tyson and Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> Mike Tyson may be taller, but he's also heavier, bigger, stronger. Sure. So I think Christy also looked at me like I was just taller. She didn't realize how physical, I mean, I got big hands. I'm a big girl. A lot of big reach. Big bones. Yeah. Strong. So I came down in weight. She came up in weight for a catch weight, but still, I was just too strong for her. So, but I didn't want to fight her. She wanted to fight me. Then the public started saying, oh, they want to see the fight. And as soon as I felt like somebody thought she could do something, that's when I'm like, I'm going to have to show them. And then there was some money behind it. I was like, okay, this would be a good, easy fight for me. So it was so funny with that fight because these are the best known female fighters in the world. My outfit didn't come. It got stuck in a storm my ring outfit right? Oh. that I was going to wear. So I ended up having to wear some other fighter shorts, a cup. I mean, his sweaty cup, everything. Oh. Yeah, it was kind of nasty. So when I got in, I didn't have a robe, anything. I had this sweater on, if you see it, that I took off. And I was just like, oh my God, I want to get out. Of-. I was so mad. I was like, I want to get out of this ring as quickly as I can. Because I really didn't think that the fight was going to last long. So I was like, I'm just going to try to get her out. It's the first round. I was throwing everything. Now, I wasn't as strong as I normally would be because I lost like 10 pounds and I physically wasn't as strong. But I thought I could still just get her out of there. I didn't. First of all, when you're trying to get someone out of there, and I know this, trying to get someone out of there, a lot of times it won't happen. You got to let it just come. So that was the first thing. 
Then it took, I think I got her out of there in the third or fourth round, but she was tough. Like she could take a punch. So she hit me. She hit me a couple times, like dead on. And she was heavy handed. And I said, wow, she can't because she's a puncher. She's a very strong puncher for her weight class. So I was able to feel her power and say, okay, that's why she's been so successful because she can punch. It wasn't enough for me because I'm just too much bigger than she is. Just like I box guys and they're like, whoa, you can punch, but I'm not going to knock them out because they're a guy and they're used to taking, you know, heavier shots. But I can't take what they can give. You see, that's the difference. So it was interesting. So no, I didn't want to fight her for one, but it made sense to fight her. And I never for one thought that there was any chance of me losing that fight. So I wasn't like, I got I better beat her. It's like, I'm going to beat her. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You said you had to wear somebody else's sweaty cup. This might be a dumb question. Again, I'm not a fighter. Why are women wearing cups? I know why guys wear yeah, cups. Yeah, yeah. So the cup not only protects, you know, private area mm-hmm. um, for men, it also is for your rib cage and all of that. Oh, okay. So yeah, you, yeah, we wear the cup, you know, because you can get your ribs broken. So it does protect you to a certain extent. And women wear them too now. In a lot of states, I don't know how it is now. It's optional. We don't have to wear them. And a lot of women don't because it just makes you look wider. And I, I remember yeah. that. I remember that in the beginning. I was like, I don't want to wear that cup. It makes me look all wide and bulky and but then you know you get hit with a couple good body shots you're like okay i think I'm yeah gonna wear cup. i'm gonna so, put that thing yeah in. our cup is different it doesn't have that cup down yeah. the bottom area it was flat at the bottom but you still have that waist and then we have cups that we can wear on our chest which is soft on the inside sure. just up against your breast but a shell on the outside i was wondering because i know that that pressure on that would hurt and if yeah. you're getting punched in the, yeah. in the chest and it's an unspoken rule for women not to punch each other in chest, but stuff happens all the time because that's a shot over the heart. Like I'll aim to hit somebody over the heart. And sometimes if they move, you're going to get hit in the chest. Anytime I box the guys, because I only sparred with men. Like when I trained, I only box guys. They always used to hit me in the chest. Right. They're not thinking yeah. about it. And it's a shot to hit someone in the chest. So you can't say, stop it, you know, because yeah, it's like, well, what are you doing in here? Yeah. You don't complain. You just be like, oh, you know, and then that might make them be like, oh, sorry. But then it happens again. So you have right. to wear your protection. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I tried to research this a lot more by looking for your biopic, which is called Daddy's Girl. Let's just say a lot of other Google search results were coming up yes. for that phrase. Oh, God. <laughs> that didn't work out for me. Your Did you mo- find it? I didn't. Okay, yeah. I couldn't I find it. Okay, that's it was hard to find. Yeah, because I sent someone to go look for it and they told me they couldn't find it, so I got to get a DVD. I find everything and I couldn't find oh, it. Oh, okay. So, so it's not, it's not around. Okay. Your mother and father are both athletes. Your mom rode horses. Is that right? She did. I wouldn't consider her an athlete, though, but um, she could have been, but she wasn't an athlete. She did ride horses, but not professionally. Oh, okay. For some reason, I thought she was... Yes. Uh, uh, what, she was really good. She could have, probably. Was there a lot of pressure in your house from your parents to be good at everything or to be good at anything at all in school or no sports? I didn't really have a lot of direction from my parents Mm -hmm. growing up. Just from, like I mentioned to you, you know, both my parents were busy. You know, we were safe. We had food on the table all the time. I was raised by a lot of nannies. Oh, okay. So, so no, I didn't feel any pressure. The pressure that I have even now I put on myself, you know, so it's just kind of like I have high expectations of myself. I have high expectations of the people around me that work with me. So it's just like, I want to be successful and I understand it takes hard work and dedication and, you know, all that goes into it. So no one put that on me though. Why do you think you put it on yourself? That I don't have the answer to, but I think to me, it's just, from my point of view, it's just being smart. Like if you want to be successful, you got to do the hard work that it takes. I mean, a lot of people 
see people who have made it and they don't realize all the work that was done behind the scenes. They think, you know, they're just, for me, for example, it's just like, oh, you know, you just decided to become a boxer. They don't realize how hard I trained and, you know, like sure. even to learn how to run. They see me, I'm talking about now, like I'll help people with fitness and wellness, what I'm doing now. I'm like, oh, but you're an athlete. I said, but I had to work hard to become right. an athlete. I had to make sacrifices. I had to learn, you know, you have to first decide that you want to do it in the first place, you know, and then you can make it happen. I had a whole different body type and lifestyle before I decided to go in a certain direction that made, or I said, what do I have to do to be the best at what I do to become a world champion? And that's when you start hiring people and they teach you things like, well, you got to eat this way and you got to make sure you get rest and you got to not drink and not do Okay. Well, I'm going to do those things, you know? So you just learn more and more as you go and you have to be willing. There's so many people that even my husband that grew up in the hood, there were so many people that could have been great athletes, but they wanted to hang out and they wanted right. to drink and they wanted to smoke weed and they didn't make it. You know, so it's like it takes more than just having talent and you have to be willing to work harder than everybody else. And for me, like I said, I got to a point where I was just like, wow, you know, I don't want to do this anymore because I'm not getting the fight that I want in the ring, you know, yeah. the challenge that I want. So now I'm doing it outside of the ring. So when you watch the highlight reels and things like that, it does kind of look like Michael Jordan dunking over the high school captain of the depending on which team. one you watch especially yeah. because they're always going to use the best parts of the fight sure. you know and then there's certain fights that i like a lot of the title fights and things like that with those girls and it's funny if you watch those girls in other fights they might look great yeah. and part of it is the mental side of it like i said if you come in there believing because you're listening to your camp and you're listening to everyone you're yesing around you saying she's nothing and she this mm -hmm. and she that and then you have to get your ass in there and then you feel that punch like no she can punch uh -huh. and no she's not just a pretty face and you see me across that ring looking at you like yeah remember all that stuff you talked now it's about to happen it's just me oh, and man. you nobody else can get in there with you you know and it's like I'm gonna remind you of all the things you said because a lot of times they thought I was a celebrity to them they're watching me they don't realize I was watching them I'm going on the blog and reading what you write and because I got to find inspiration to get myself revved sure. up and that's what would get me going you know it's like oh you said that okay we gonna do this now <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Uh... And I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. You don't understand. And I was kind of a bully, I will say. I was kind of a bully when I was a boxer. But to me, it was all a part of the game. And I needed to have that edge because, like I said, people would just see a picture and think she's so pretty, but they didn't know that street side of me. And then they realized not everyone has that. You don't have to. Sure. But I do. So it's like, I'm going to kind of gangster you a little bit around the hotel, you know, and be like, yep, five hours to that ass whooping. Like, remember? So it's like, oh, I'm you gonna... would see him in the hotel? Oh, yeah. oh, well, because we'd be in the same hotel yeah. like, the week of the fight. You got to do weigh-ins and press conferences. And that's when I'm really oh, going to work on you. Because now you get to meet someone. You to see how they walk, see how they hold this stuff. You see if there's any fear in their eyes. I would be just want someone to say something back to me because that would just get me fired up. Oh, man. <laughs> so you're like, you're down there. I know the listeners like, God, she's mean. But you have to remember what business I was in. Sure. So. Before this, you went to jail for a little bit. Super Not jail, juvenile hall. Juvenile you make it sound hall. so bad. <laughs> it, sa it says jail on your website. Well, you might want to look into that. Not, it says jail on my website, <laughs> leilali.com? On one of the websites that wrote about you. Okay, yeah, okay. You yeah, that, look into not that. mine. <laughs> yeah. It is jail for kids. Yes, I did. Well, the thing is that like, you can't talk about that without telling a little bit of the story. So I had mentioned already, told you yeah. I got in trouble growing up. Then I wrote a book about a reach, finding strength, spirit, and personal power. So I got in trouble because, you know, a lot of times people would look at me and say, oh, you know, you're Muhammad Ali's daughter. You think you're all that. And they would start fights with you. And I wouldn't back down. OK, because I told you I'm a fighter. Mm -hmm. So I would get myself into trouble, get suspended, gotten kicked out of different schools, things like that. Grades weren't that great because of that. Right. And I also told you I had a dysfunctional situation with my mother when she got remarried. She had an abusive husband and I had anger and I was taking it out 
in different ways, right? So for me, I was hanging out with the wrong crowd. And the first time I got in trouble, I was with three girls. No, it was three of us. I was one of the three. And we went shopping and one of these girls shoplifting. And then I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm going to shoplift too. I had money in my pocket, but just dumb, you know? Yeah, and sure. it's like, oh, and then of course we get caught, we get arrested. And I always had this little attitude about myself and they're crying, like shaking in their boots. And I was like, what are you guys crying for? Like, we knew what we were doing, you know, it's like, but they saw that as, oh, you're not even afraid. You're not even what? So the officer was like, oh, okay. So they end up processing me through the system, but they let them go. So I end up having to go to court because of the attitude. Oh, man. They didn't like my attitude. It looked like I had no remorse. I don't think that I didn't have remorse, but I wasn't scared. Sure. So... I end up going to court and once you're in the system, they're going to look at your grades. They're going to look at your family situation. And then I ended up in juvenile hall. So in juvenile hall, of course, you got all kinds of kids there, kids that don't have a great family, don't have support, come from, you know, bad situations. And, you know, you have to deal with all that. So I watched a sparring match with you on YouTube and the guy afterwards said, she's better than most South African guys. (laughs) Oh, I was in Africa. Yeah. Yeah. And my favorite part is this guy's backing up. And you're going after him, you're going after him, you go, come on, sucker. I know. And uh, I thought that sounded, that was so <laughs> funny. And my first thought, not being a fighter, was it must have been hard for you to date when you were younger. Because I feel like a lot of guys couldn't handle that. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I remember that sparring session because I was fighting in South Africa and you you need to spar. So you got this guy and you got to pick the right guy mm. because a man is always going to be stronger than a woman. And I remember he hit me with some hard shots. And I'm never going to say, as a fighter, you have too much pride. I won't hit me that hard. But it's up to my corner mm-hmm. to see that and say something to him. So at one point they did tell him, okay, you need to calm down. Don't hit her so hard. You still hit hard, but not as hard as you can. But I'm cracking him. So he wants to get me back, you know, and he was inexperienced. So an inexperienced fighter is more dangerous than an experienced fighter. Because they can't control the pressure. They can't control it. Yeah. And it's like, you know, the ego comes in after I hit you upside your head. I'm going to get her back. It's just a natural reaction. I think that because he had already hit me hard a couple of times that sometimes I get into the moment and start talking shit, you know, to the guys and the girls. And that's just a part of sparring. Like you get worse than that. So that was nothing. But that always happens. Yeah. But it was um no. As far as dating is concerned, I'm a total different person than I am outside of the ring. I'm not a fighter. Even with my husband, he was like, what's it like when you guys get into it? Yeah, I would never try to fight my husband. I wouldn't even want a man, first of all, that I felt like I could beat up on. You always hear me say, no matter how badass I think I am, I never say I'm going to beat a man up. I never say act like I'm stronger than a man. Are there some men I could beat up? Of course. But in general, like pound for pound, no. A man is always going to be stronger than a woman. Now, there are women who think they're so bad they can beat a man up. Hence, round around sure. and others, but I'm not like that. So no, I still have a feminine side, definitely. But I need a strong man. I can't have a weak man because there are other sides of me that are strong also. Just being confident. Just mm-hmm. Sometimes my husband says, can you not talk to me like that? Because he'll say, why are you bulking up on me? Because sometimes I do. And I do it to a lot of people. If I want to get my point across and my voice will change and I'll start enunciating, I'll be like, no, because like I said, what I need you to do is go to the store, get what I asked you to get me. You yeah, know what I mean? That's scary. So Those of you listening, saying, that, that would be scary. <laughs> He's like, but he probably just said something smart back to me. And then it's like, if you would just go get what I asked you to get, then we wouldn't be having this conversation <laughs> right now. And I start enunciating and looking at you dead and my upper lip gets kind of tight. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, sorry, babe. It's just like, I get really focused. I apologize, though. Your son's out there and he's like, yeah, story of my life, man. <laughs> my poor baby. He's so sweet. He's a highly sensitive child. And even with him, like if I'm having a bad day, sometimes I'll give him this look and he's like, okay. You know, and I see the fear in him and I feel bad. I'm like, yeah. I'm sorry, baby. 
<laughs> you do. You have the tough exterior and the nice inside. In fact, I, I read a story that you'd called Hulk Hogan one day to check on him. He seemed a little bit sad on American Gladiators. He says that saved his life, actually. I know. And I was just surprised uh, when he made that statement that I saved his life. He actually said he was getting ready to commit suicide. And I called and stopped it. You know, and that's what he meant by it. And I was like, he didn't tell me that. And I didn't even really recall what call that was. And I'm like, wow, you think he called me before he went to the press and said that? You know, I just said the divine intervention, you know. Yeah. Good timing on that Mm -hmm. one. You said you use anger to motivate yourself in the ring. Are you able to harness that motivational anger in business or in other areas of your life? Or is that just kind of boxing only? In general, you can. I can harness energy in general, but in boxing, you need it in that moment and you need it to come through in a powerful way. So it's different like because I'm actually physically able to transfer that into a punch. So that's totally different. You know, I have a way of making the moment bigger than me. So for me, if I feel any butterflies, if I feel any nerves or anything, you know, I'm able to say, you know what? you know, F this, I'm about to go in here and do this for these kids in Africa. Then it's like, I have to be the savior. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So for me, it's going to be that moment where it's just like, you know, I didn't have to call on that a lot, but there was times when I'd be sick. I'd have 104 flu. Nobody knew it, but I was like, "Ah, I can beat this girl. It's nothing. Then I'd be like going in there and then I'd have to lift myself up. And then I would have a lackluster performance, but I would still win. But people don't realize I have the flu. Like when I fought Jackie Frazier, my ex-husband was promoting the card. It was his event. I wasn't going to back out, but I was that confident where I felt like I can beat this girl. But then I got in there and after the third round, I was tired. I was ready to go. You know, I was able to slug it out. So You mentioned doing it for the Mm -hmm. kids in Africa. You've got a lot of charity work as well. American Dental Association creating oral health awareness. Mm -hmm. This struck me as funny because your career, knocking people's teeth out. Right, yeah, knocking you people's, <laughs> you're knocking people's teeth out, and now you got a charity that helps keep. Well, that's good. I'm gonna knock your teeth out, out, but then I'm gonna send you the dentist and get that's them right. fixed. No, and they'll be um, pearly white after and that. get your nails done. That's no. Right. Well, I love kids, and I love anything that has to do with kids because they don't ask to be here, you know, and they come into this crazy world. So anything with health, fitness, and wellness, I get involved with. So I'm involved with Feeding America. I've done some stuff with the American Heart Association, diabetes. Of course, my brand is just about lifestyle and wellness. So when those organizations reach out to me and I feel like it's a good fit, then, you know, it's very natural for me to get involved. So it's not something that I do all the time, but I have worked with them in the past. Do you have any thoughts on the way that black culture is represented in popular culture now and the way that some figures in black culture represent themselves? Of like, course. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's such a long conversation to get into. Yeah, and it you is. have to be. But there's things that I see that I like and there's things that I see that I don't like. And there's things that I see that are part of the problem and things that I see that can help the problem. But there's no one answer for it, you know? taking our history into account, taking just sensationalizing certain things into account, just rolling it all up into a ball. We've come a long way, but there's a whole lot more work to do. Yeah. So how often do you hit a bag or like a parking enforcement guy just to see if you still got it? <laughs> I'll hit a bag yesterday because I went to the boxing gym and it's so funny. I was training and, you know, I hadn't been in the gym probably in about five years. I went to the boxing gym with one of my trainers I used to train with here in LA. I didn't mention to you earlier. And I said, you know what? I put on some weight. I'm working on a cookbook. I gained about seven or eight pounds. I need to get it off. So I was like, why not just come to the boxing gym? And I was like, Man, four rounds in the ring and I was done. Normally I used to do like 10 back in the day. Jeez. That's just in the on the mitts. I mean, I did the heavy bag. I sure. did everything. But I'll be back there for tomorrow. I'm going back. So three days a week back boxing. Love that, it. Is that your favorite fitness, your favorite workout? It's something that I know will shock my body because I haven't done it in a long time. So I love all forms of working out. But for me, boxing, I think I have that muscle memory. So mm-hmm. it's a full body workout. So yeah. it's what I know. So when I say, okay, I need to get weight off, I'll either run because I know it's going to work. 
or I'll box. I don't physically want to get in the ring and spar anybody, but everything else that you do at the gym, I would do. Is there anything else that I haven't asked you that you want to make sure you communicate? So right now, obviously I'm not boxing anymore, but I have this passion for fitness, health, and wellness. And I said to myself, hmm, what am I going to do that I will be confident about, love, have a passion for that I would do for free if I could. And it's really fitness, health, and wellness, because I learned so much through my boxing career, and I want to help encourage others to be strong in every area of their life. And I feel a lot of that has to do with nutrition and wellness and eating properly, feeding yourself, feeding your heart, feeding your soul, your spirituality, all of that. So that's why I've started this brand, Leilali Lifestyle. I have a blog, leilalilifestyle.com. I have my own podcast, Leilali Lifestyle Podcast, Podcast One. And if you go on my Facebook page or anything, that's what you'll see, because that's what I'm about. I also love to cook. I've been cooking since I was very young, like nine years old. Oh, wow. Because I taught myself how to cook because my mom didn't cook. And I've competed on Chopped one a couple times and the Food Network. So I said, you know what? A lot of people could ask me about my recipes whenever I post something. So I decided to come out with a cookbook, which will be out in January of 2018. And I'm really excited about that because, like I said, this is something that I know I would do for free if I could. And it's great. Obviously, as a businesswoman, you want to be able to live a certain lifestyle and take care of your family, but do something that you love. And it's so needed here in you know the United States and all over the world. We have this epidemic with people being obese, oh, having yeah. diabetes, heart disease, and it's because of lifestyle choices. So I think that because I can relate to the average person, I'm not going to speak over their head. I can talk their language, especially African-Americans where we are way behind everybody else when it comes to eating and lifestyle choices. I think that I can be the perfect person for that. So just keep watching and we'll see what comes of it. Are you glad that you had a chance to get fired? by Arnold instead of Trump. (laughs) I would not have gotten fired by Trump because they asked me to do the show like four times when he was the host and I said no. And that was before everything that happened in this country. It's just, I didn't think that that would be a good look for me because I was Mm -hmm. like, me and Trump in the boardroom, it's not going to be good. They have the control over the editing. I didn't trust it. I felt more comfortable with Arnold. I was on his governor's council of physical fitness here in California. And, you know, they told me they were bringing it to LA and it was gonna have a whole new face. So I did it and I did really well. I made it to the semifinals. Unfortunately, with the election and everything that happened and we shot it back in February of 2016. I didn't know that. Yeah. And then it aired and then a lot of people were boycotting the show. And it's something that we didn't even think about because he wasn't even running yet. So, and then everyone's like, wow, this is, you know, you wish like we just put it on hold and didn't do it at that time. So any association to him, a lot of people didn't want to watch it. So the show, I don't think did as well as it should have done. But as far as my performance... I'm happy with my performance. I brought a lot of awareness to the Women's Sports Foundation, which was my charity. You know, I'm not the type of person that likes to have regrets. It's like for things that I can't control, I'm like, hey, whatever was meant to be is what happens. Yeah, it's not worth it. It's not going to make or break me, put it like that. Layla, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Great big thank you to Layla Ali. Her podcast is called Layla Ali Lifestyle. We'll link that up in the show notes, of course. And if you like this one, don't forget to thank Layla on Twitter. We'll have that linked in the show notes as well. I'd love for you to tweet at me your number one takeaway from Layla here. I'm at the Art of Charm on Twitter. Remember, you can tap your phone screen and the show notes should pop right up and that'll have my Twitter and Layla's Twitter linked in there as well. Boot camps are live program details. You can find those at theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp. Join thousands of other guys who've been through the program. They'll become your network, your brothers for life. 
all around the world. You've had guys backpacking through Europe, working at AOC, meeting up when traveling, couch surfing. Guys have even gotten jobs and formed lifelong friendships. It's by far and away my favorite part of running AOC. The changes are tremendous. I would love to see you there. And remember, we sell out a few months in advance, so get in touch ASAP, theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp, or you can email me, jordan at theartofcharm.com. I also want to encourage you to join our AOC challenge at theartofcharm.com slash challenge, or you can text the word charmed, C-H-A-R-M-E-D, to 33444. The challenge is about improving your networking and connection skills and inspiring those around you to develop a personal and professional connection with you. We'll also email you our fundamentals toolbox that I mentioned earlier on the show, which includes some great practical stuff on reading body language, having charismatic nonverbal communication, the science of attraction, negotiation techniques, networking and influence strategies, persuasion tactics, and everything else that we teach here at The Art of Charm. I also do regular videos with drills and exercises to help you move forward. It will make you a better networker, it'll make you a better connector, and it'll make you a better thinker. That's theartofcharm.com slash challenge or text charmed in the U.S. to 33444. For full show notes for this and all previous episodes, head on over to theartofcharm.com slash podcast. This episode of AOC was produced by Jason DeFilippo. Jason Sanderson is our audio engineer and editor, and the show notes on the website are by Robert Fogarty. I'm your host, Jordan Harbinger. Go ahead, tell your friends, because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else, either in person or shared on the web. Word of mouth really is everything, so stay charming and leave everything and everyone better than you found them.